This episode is brought to you by Neon Lights. Singapore's premier music and arts festival is back November 23rd and 24th at Fort Canning Park. And here's why you shouldn't miss it. You can catch Mumford & Sons' first ever performance in Singapore, Halsey in a brand new set, Han, Muramasa, Nick Murphy, Clean Bandit, Aurora, and many more. Interact with the art on display at Neon Nooks, grab a bite from the market, and lace up your dancing shoes for the silent disco, a festival favorite. Grab your tickets now at www.neonlights.sg. Welcome to the Coconuts Podcast, our look at the latest and greatest reporting from our eight newsrooms in Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. I'm Todd Rees, and I'm the managing editor of Coconuts Bangkok. And I'm associate editor Tara Kamaltanavith. Welcome to the Coconuts Podcast. Hey, hey, hey. Happy Friday. Oh, it is. It is Friday by the time you guys are listening to this. Yeah. And, and so what a novel concept. Right. Time. Right, because we always have to think one day forward. Every time we like think about what to say, we have to think about one day forward. When well, I mean, the truth, no, it's, it's 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 much simpler than that for me. Look, I mean, like like all reporters, um, I, I'm I'm very aware of my weakness when it comes to math, <laughs> I which am is very why weak even when I hear too. you guys in Thai talking about numbers, I'm like. <laughs> Triple check that. Yeah. I think that came up today. Yes. Is it yes. a billion or a million? I know. I sh- I, numbers I, just elude me, have always eluded me. Well, but my, my real weakness is time. Mm. I'm kind of unplugged from time. Um, and that's why I'm asking pretty much every day, like confirming, is today Thursday? And you're all like, yeah, <laughs> <No>. yes. <laughs> well, anyway, we just wrapped up a pretty busy week in Bangkok that made traffic hell because we held the ASEAN summit, which we had welcomed heads of state from uh, heads of state, prime ministers, uh, mm-hmm. political leaders from throughout Asia. the region. Yeah. Duterte in the house. Yes, Aung San Suu Kyi was here. Yeah. There were some weird moments. There were. What what was that thing that Trump was so mad about? Well, uh Trump in his his what, 3 years in office now? It, yeah, I know it feels yeah, much yeah. longer ne- than elections that. next year. Um in his 3 years in office has not uh yet to attend. He hasn't come. He hasn't come to any of these things. Um, Obama came to a couple of them. Obama initiated in 2009 these things. It's like a summit within a summit. Oh. Um, it's called the U.S. ASEAN Summit. So he would oh. come. He came to town a couple times when the right. when the general summit was going on, right. and kind of presided over this uh, mini summit with ASEAN leaders and himself. Did and, he do it twice, like both terms? Yeah, he came twice. Oh wow! Then the third year, um, the third time he did it, I think it was in 2016, near the end of his time. Um, and so he hosted, he invited them all to California. Oh. And he hosted them all at Rancho Mirage in, oh. in California. That's nice. Man. Um, and they all went. Yeah. Of course. But, <laughs> but one thing that perhaps people not from around these parts aren't aware of is, you know, it's like the whole sense notion of face and loss of face. You're not going to go to a meeting with someone else's underling. So Trump didn't come to this thing because, uh, November 5th was a, a by-election day in the state, so mm-hmm. so he was out campaigning yeah. um, for, well, that's a whole other topic. Um, he didn't come. His his vice president didn't come. And he sent like a third-tier oh, kind no. of a backbencher aide, this national, Ooh. like a deputy like a national. Like Yeah, a deputy national security advisor, something O'Brien. He sent this guy. Um, and then this we- guy was the one that all the heads of state were supposed to sit down with, Right. 
Yeah. And and then so apparently like seven okay ASEAN has 10 member states. Seven of them seven of them didn't go. Wow. Um, Thailand did, I think Laos did and Vietnam did. Oh my gosh. Um, they were sort of represented, you know, obviously right. the most the rest just boycotted the most democratic it? of the bunch. Yeah, they skipped it. Wow, shit. Um, you know, and and sort of understandably so because Yeah, they felt like undermined, right? They, well, they sent No, but they're, they they sent they sent their uh, like foreign ministers mm-hmm. who were still outranked this guy that the right. U.S. sent, um, but they sent their foreign ministers, but they didn't go. So it wow. was it was kind of a like a surprise, but not a surprise. Right. When, so that was on Monday, and by early Monday afternoon, came out this leaked um, dispatch. It was a diplomatic dispatch from a U.S. diplomat as, as a warning to ASEAN, saying. Accusing them of deliberately trying to embarrass the U.S. president oh. by snubbing and not attending his meeting, and saying that 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 there would be you know like dire implications on on U.S. ASEAN relationship, <laughs> and this is I mean this is what this is a relationship that they 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 talk so much about wanting to improve and revive. Right. I mean Obama was trying to pivot out of a decade of war in the Middle East, his yeah. pivot to Asia, um, and the rising specter of China. Um, so they're throwing a fit because their president's feelings are hurt, which we know he's a very, he's, he's a real uh, Sensitive. snowflake. Yeah. <laughs> um, and meanwhile, China and India and everyone's here doing deals and making business and, and not, We're not making forward. hay about nonsense. Right. So funny that. Oof. Anyways, so uh, let's, we got stuff to talk about. Right. We got news right. from throughout the Coco sphere. Yes, we have a lot of hard and light news coming to you this week. And after that, we're going to take a little trans-dimensional journey to a galactic federation that exists that has been trying to communicate Earth with Earth for a long time, um, and and they've been doing this uh, solely through Thailand. So oh. more more oh. after after the wow, news. Wow, I'm excited! I just bought, watched Bob Lazar's documentary on Netflix about aliens, like in Area 51. So I'm all ready to hear about your alien tales, Todd. Days after, fugitive Malaysian financier Jolo agreed to surrender assets worth 700 billion U.S. dollars to the U.S. Justice Department, new information emerged about just what he's been up to. English-language daily Cyprus Mail published an investigative report Sunday that the 38-year-old holds a Cypriot passport granted by the island nation four years ago. That cleared up a bit of the mystery about how the Penang-born fugitive has been traveling between places such as China, Macau, Thailand, and the Middle East where he's been cited. Malaysia had canceled Lowe's passport, and he reportedly was no longer using travel papers from St. Kitts and Nevis in the Caribbean. According to the report, Lowe traveled to Cyprus in September 2015, and within two days was given a passport via an investment scheme that saw him deposit at least 5 million euros into a bank there to purchase property through a proxy. Now, at the time, Interpol had yet to issue a red notice in his name, but somehow island authorities shrugged off a number of red flags raised in a due diligence audit by Thomson Reuters over concerns about money laundering, fraud, his political connections, and, quote, other risk factors. It might have helped that Archbishop Christomos II, head of the Greek island's powerful Orthodox Church, wrote a letter supporting his application. Despite what many are calling a sweetheart deal with the Americans, Lowe had to admit no wrong and saw ten lawsuits brought by the DOJ go away, he still wanted Malaysia for his role in allegedly looting billions of dollars from the 1MDB Sovereign Wealth Fund. 
A girl's lack of exposure prompted a discussion about the importance of sex education in Indonesia recently, because apparently she didn't know what semen was. Well, how old a girl are we talking? Well, I'm not quite sure. The story is just said teenage girl. She's mm. supposed to be young, but I don't know how young. Okay, continue. Um, the story came to light when a Twitter user shared WhatsApp screenshots of a conversation between a doctor and an acquaintance. In the chats, the doctor tells the story about a teenage girl whose boyfriend had convinced her that he has excess white blood cells, and the only way to get rid of them was through his penis. Mm, yeah, I don't think it works that way. <laughs> Not knowing that it was actually semen he was talking about, the girl said she helped her boyfriend because he would appear quote like he was dying, really pale because the because of the excess of white blood cells. Well, that's very creative. Uh, I want to have what happened to just you know crying. <laughs> Well, while it's still unclear if the story actually happened, the screenshots of the conversation became viral, prompting the hashtag sexual education to trend over the weekend in Indonesia. Many are saying that it highlights the importance of teaching kids about sex. Here's regional managing editor Andra Nazari about the state of sex education in Indonesia and how locals are reacting to the now viral screenshot. So this story blew up on uh, social media in Indonesia, mainly because of the taboo surrounding sex education in the country. Um, Indonesians in their 20s and 30s now, you know, we, most of us, did not receive sex education in school. Um, but recently, we're seeing people come around to the uh, idea that, you know, this serious topic deserves to be discussed and taught to children. Um, in fact, um, sex education was actually introduced into the national curriculum in 2013. And this was after years of lobbying by child welfare groups who you know, argued that you know, children have the right to sexual knowledge, you know, to recognize its potential harms and to protect themselves from um, uh, sexual violence. To, to some, this serves as a cautionary tale. Thailand has Mama Money got a proposition for you. Put 1,000 baht in her rotating share club, and you're going to get 1,930 baht back for that investment. Wow! How Is do I that, sign up? Yeah, well, in case you're wondering if that sounds too good to be true, well, you're two steps ahead of me because, yes, it is. So far, more than 4,000 accusers have stepped forward to say that the self-proclaimed net idol, Wantani Tipawet, known online as Mama Mani or Me Mani, had scammed them of their money, and police say the damages so far may add up to over 1.3 billion baht, or about 43 million U.S. Wantani's accusers say they were invited by friends to join her online share club on the promise that they would see returns of up to 93% on their investments. The scam they're accused of running was presented as the kind of traditional money pooling system where... People contribute amounts of money into a pool that pays out to members on a rotating basis. It's kind of a common thing. You see this in yeah. societies all around the world. Right, right. I think the English call it partner hand, and in the Caribbean, it's susu. But in Thailand, it's, it's share. share. Right. It's yeah, very common. A lot of names. It's very, very common. Right. We looked this up. There's a whole lot of names for it. Everyone does something like this. So far, at least five people have been arrested in connection with the alleged scam, and that includes Mama Mani herself. She was the first to be arrested along with her 20-year-old husband, Meiti Chinpa, on Saturday when police tracked them to a motel in Chonburi. 
The two have been charged with fraud, entering false information online, and violating the Computer Crime Act. My favorite part is that when they were arrested, they were like, oh, we didn't escape. We're just Oh, no, they're just visiting, vi- they're visiting us, a cousin, uh, cousin. And, and are nowhere to be found for a few days oh, for no reason. That's the ticket. <laughs> that's right. It was like just as all this news was blowing up. And yeah. it's the one that was the monotopic online and mm-hmm. they were gone. It's like, uh, they were yeah, like, they oh, no, 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 we didn't run away. No, no. Three more arrests followed. And on Thursday morning, none other than Mama Mani's mama. Quite poetic, eh? Yeah, was was also arrested. I was I was think, to, thinking about that one. Footage of the arrest shows Tawan Rat Tipawet crying upon seeing an arrest warrant with her name printed on it, and she actually fainted when police tried to put her into the vehicle. And this was in the middle of this big scrum of reporters. So right, and you all the can they're all surrounded her, the cameras, and her. You see her fainting face. And oh. we'll include a link to the video on our description, so you can look Check at it in out. our story. Check it out. She was taken to the hospital. Doctors said uh, she had high blood pressure. Obviously. But before she fainted, the 47-year-old told the cops that her daughter had asked her, had asked her to open a bank account for unspecified business transactions, um, which she agreed to do without having any idea what it was for. Yeah. She sounded really scared of her daughter. She was like, oh, I, I, I was suspicious of the money, but I can't ask her about these things. I've seen the photos of her. I'd be scared of her, too. <laughs> Anyways, as of Thursday evening, Mama Money's assets had been frozen and a lot of her properties had been seized in raids earlier during the week. Um, as the investigation moves forward, police are combing through her financial records to track down more potential perpetrators that may have been involved in the alleged scheme. If there's one thing Southeast Asians are passionate about, it's it's our beauty pageants. And recently, the internet loves talking about Singaporean beauty queen Charlotte Chia. But for all the wrong reasons. A month after the 21-year-old contestant was savagely mocked by Malaysians, who thought she wasn't pretty enough for the Miss International pageant taking place next week in Japan, Chia is now being mocked by Filipinos who mistakenly thought she committed a stunning cultural taboo at a temple there. The misunderstanding came from a clip posted by her Filipina rival, in which Chia looks like a total dummy for drinking sacred cleansing water while Miss Philippines appears only to use it on her hands. Those who don't know better, or are just jerks who are quick to make fun of the Singaporean contestant without actually watching it closely, made fun of what they mistook for a facepalm moment. It was the latest in a tradition of pre-pageant flare-ups between highly competitive fans in nations contending for many crowns and tiaras each year. But the last laugh was on the unkind Philippine fans after their contestant returned to Instagram to explain that Miss Singapore was actually doing exactly as instructed by rinsing her mouth with the water. Contestants from more than 65 countries have been sightseeing around Japan ahead of their competition set for Tuesday in Tokyo. Two graphically violent scenes gripped Hong Kong this week as politicians from opposite sides of the growing divide were savagely attacked in public. First was pro-democracy lawmaker Andrew Chu, whose ear had to be sewn back on after it was bitten off by a rampaging Mandarin-speaking man on Sunday. Chu had been trying to prevent the man from leaving after he allegedly stabbed six people after arguing with them during a pro-democracy flash mob held at a shopping mall. Then, on Thursday morning, pro-Beijing firebrand Junius Ho, who we've talked about here before for his very caustic and provocative style, 
was campaigning in Chunmun for his council seat to represent Lok Choi when a man in a blue shirt, according to a video of the incident, walked up with and shook his hand and complimented Ho for working hard. The man then reaches into his bag, and Ho thinks he wants to take a photo with him. Instead, the man whips out a knife and thrusts it at Ho's chest before being tackled. Ho later said that the blade hit a rib and left only a superficial wound. He's so hated, though, in part for seeming to encourage suspected triad enforcers to assault members of the public back in July, that social media has been awash in conspiracy theories that he staged the attack. In fact, it seems to be open season on politicians in Hong Kong, particularly those who support the people's right to have a say in their government. Activist Jimmy Sham was beaten with hammers in Kowloon. He was one of four pro-democracy candidates assaulted, three of them while canvassing. The election is set for November 24th. Well, though skeptic I may be, I've always been interested in, if not a believer, in the more fantastic strains of human belief. And living in Thailand puts one in proximity to such amazing amounts and varieties of it. I mean, every day you're interacting with people who believe incredible things. And I'm personally almost jealous of their exotic internal worlds. Blood-drinking fetal spirits who must be appeased with red Fanta to safeguard your home. Illnesses caused by vampiric ghosts who are stealing mates to take back to the underworld. Necromancers casting protective spells with stolen bones of the dead. And it turns out that the worlds of spirit and magic aren't the only realms ties are attuned to, but the deepest reaches of the cosmos as well. Here's my report on Thailand's premier apocalyptic UFO cult. Twenty-one years ago in the central province of Nakhon Sawan is when Somjit Riapet first saw them. The site was Kaukala, or Mount Kala, which is really more of a low hill than a mountain. But that's where Somjit and hundreds of other believers first began communing with cosmic travelers through the power of meditation. Kaukala, it turns out, is the go-to place for alien encounters as they frequently land there or just fly by because it's situated a very convenient place to penetrate the interdimensional barriers. Since then, it's become ground zero for alien watching and meditation trips organized by the Kaukala group. So what does Kaukala believe? Largely a mishmash of alien prophecies on wars and natural disasters. Kaukala people just can't believe that there are people who do not believe in these aliens who they say are turning their backs on the very beings desperately trying to keep humans from destroying themselves. Who are the Kaukala believers? Surprisingly, mostly middle-class, middle-aged types who don't fit the usual tinfoil profile. Still, at events, they openly talk in great detail about apocalyptic calamities about to befall the Earth, recounting the fires and earthquakes soon to sweep the world, according to them aliens. But rather than an obvious scam to separate the gullible from their money, the, the collective impression of Kaukala is really that of a new-agey, mostly harmless UFO cult, the kind that's been around since the 1960s, 
but hopefully without any of the mass suicide that sometimes befalls them. Mm. Okay, so why Thailand? Why has an intergalactic federation of alien species chosen this Southeast Asian kingdom for their human outreach campaign? It's simple, really. Buddhism. Meditation is central to Kalkala, and its members believe that their heightened mental and spiritual acuity attune them to the live stream of alien thought rays. Hear directly from Kaukala believers, including a Harvard-trained former heart surgeon and one-time health advisor to the king, in Coconuts TV's latest feature, Close Encounters of the Thai Kind. Here's Thepanom Mungman telling host Agri Bunyai about the time he was abducted and taken to an underground city on Mars. Have you ever been on these ships? Or have you ever been to another planet? Or They took me to Mars once. What was it like? Yes, yeah, strange experience. Because mm. when you get to the UFOs, uh, I don't know how I get in there. When I was inside, I could see everything outside, you know. But then um, in the UFO, I remember that they have a place where you can put your finger in to manipulate, you know. To fly the ship? Yeah, to fly mm. the ship. But mine have three fingers. So we can't use yeah, it? Five, right? We can't use that machine, right? I don't know. They don't allow me to use it. <laughs> when they get to Mars, I remember very, very fast. The crowd opened and they, 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 the UFO went in there. And then over there, they, they have like underground city with, with suns too, you know. And they took me to, to one house. It made of like a glass. Looks strange. And they said, you see, nobody stay in this house for a long, long time. <laughs> because I'm crazy, I come down to, well, I promised with God that I could come to help the people. But he said, you see, you have been down here for several, for thousands of years. Man, never get better. <laughs> yeah. Wow, quite a tale. And that's the story from outer space, Tara. Thanks, Todd. And that's it for the Coconuts podcast today. You can find all these stories and more at coconuts.co. Better yet, become a Coco Plus member at coconuts.co slash membership for unlimited access to stories, swag, special offers, and more. The Coconuts podcast is recorded at Noise Studios in Bangkok. Special thanks to our audio engineer, Inigo Manthagon, the Coconuts podcast is written and produced by Todd Ruiz and Tara Kamoltanabith. Our executive producer is Byron Perry. Hey, thanks for joining us. Tune in next week for more amazing stories from Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining. And I found something crawling on my neck, you know, on my chest. Yeah. Just like they have several legs. I thought, yeah, maybe it's a spider, you know. Mm-hmm. So I pick it up, I throw it out of the window, and that, that, that thing is yell like, like human, help me! <laughs> yeah, and, and this Mr. Tong, he said, hey, you're killing my friend, you know, this is Pluto, that's Pluto, so I don't know. But the... What the, happened the, to that? What? What happened to that? No, he, he's still alive. Oh, he survived the fall? Yeah, he survived the fall. <laughs> <laughs>